and I'm still let down. <laughs> I'm in danger. Welcome to the Red Half of Sheffield, a Sheffield United podcast by two Yank Blades fans. I am a heartbroken Noah Snyder, and I am joined as always by Chad Jarvis. How are you doing, Chad? I'm right there with you. I'm in the heartbroken, kind of mad, but yeah, basically kind of not depressed, but it's just kind of, I'm in a bad state right now to where I just want us to win. I'll just take one point. Yep. I'm right there with you. This game against Leicester City really was the most demoralizing moment, in my opinion, this whole season. Vardy scoring in the 90th minute. To lose in the 90th minute is awful. To have Jamie fucking Vardy, of all people, score that last-minute winner is just uh, the most demoralizing thing that I've seen out of the Sheffield United team in the last several years. You know, as I've said, I've, I've followed this club since 2007. I've ridden the highs. I've ridden the lows. And as we all know, there have been some fucking lows with this team. But... I never felt just as so demoralized as I did on Sunday. Jesus fucking Christ. When that goal went in, it just kind of felt like someone ripped your heart out and it was still beating. And you're just like, yeah, I put my hands on my head and I was like, it's happening. It's like, this can't be real. Watch this, Lace. You can actually pinpoint the second when his heart rips in half. And now. Oh, Madison looking for Vardy. Oh, goal side, a chance. And he's taken it. Jamie Vardy in the 90th minute. The Sheffield Wednesday fan. Out of all other 19 clubs, excluding us, the other 19 clubs in this league, everybody has luck except for us. It would just happen to be the ball fell. John Fleck couldn't do whatever he was trying to do. And it falls, the ball goes to Vardy and he's in and it's just like, dude, it's happening. And then you see the shot of Chris Wilder and it just makes your heart hurt even more because you just see a guy that is just down. It's it just You just want somebody to be there to just like pick him up and give him a hug, man. I know. You can tell how much Chris Wilder cares about this team from that shot. And I really, it was like something out of a film. I mean... That was a masterclass in cinematography, whoever took that shot right there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's terrible that it had to just be arguably the most heartbreaking shot you've ever seen in your life. So I want to review the match because, you know, there's we, we always say this. There are positives to take away. But I mean, really, it's just it's getting harder and harder with each passing week to try to take away positives from these losses. And yes, Pretty much every game this season has been a loss of one goal. And look, the 2-1, that was my prediction. This game would have been a lot easier to stomach had Jamie Vardy scored that goal in the 45th minute as opposed to the 90th minute. Yeah, agreed. If we're just defending and fighting for our lives and trying to get that equalizer and just not succeeding in that second half, it's a, it's 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 different, you know, in my humble opinion. It doesn't it doesn't go down as tough as a 90th minute winner does but this to score in that fashion also as i mentioned to have it be jamie vardy a perennial wednesday fan scoring that goal you know really just uh kills you kills you it just yeah. fucking kills you it kills you yeah it does man i mean as i watched the match and i mean we deserved a point i mean yeah we had we were hanging on and people can say yeah lester had all the possession and all this and all all kinds of shots, and they hit the word work like 25 times. I mean, hell, they should have scored like five goals. Yeah. But, I mean, we deserved a point, man. We were that close. We, You should have just – you should – I don't know. I, I don't know about that. I, I'm going to go ahead and we, – we don't have a lot of disagreements on, on this show, but I'm going to disagree with you there. I think we were trying to escape with a point. Really, that's uh, what, that was what our hope was. You know, yeah. maybe in the last like five minutes before <laughs> the 90th minute when Vardy gets the goal, I think we were pressing a little bit more than we had prior to that point in the second half. But 
really i mean if we're being as objective as humanly possible taking the sheffield united glasses off for one second i really don't think we deserved a point in this game after that goal you know i mean you know it's just it's so tough to tell but yeah i I think they should they should probably should have had two or three more it's just probably me wanting a point so bad that that's why i wanted the point but i i I could see where you're coming from. So let's get into reviewing this game a little bit more. There really wasn't much to speak of in the first eight minutes of this game. There weren't that many chances. Their possession was changing feet right back and forth in the 10th minute though. And this is one of the many chances that Lester had Vardy hit the upright. It was, he took it beautifully and Ramsdale, I think, might have had it covered, but it bangs off the upright, goes back into play, gets cleared out. And nervy, nervy, nervy moment. Yeah, I, I thought he was going to make it one, one nil because I saw the ball. I was like, dude, it's on Vardy's foot. He's going to score. And then Ramsdale, he got over and covered it enough. And then when he when Vardy put the shot in it, he just rang that thing off the post. I was like, oh, we escaped there. That could have been one. And you know, like I said, they hit the post enough in this game to have more than just one not going. They could have scored, like I said, five or six. Yeah, I think that post was still shaking for another two or three minutes after it hit the upright there, really. About 20 minutes in, oh, and this is one that Burke, I feel, wishes he would have had back. McBurney gets the ball to Burke, and he slips it right in behind the defense, and Burke just whiffs it. You know, you see him try to stick out his foot to at least get a shot on target, and he falls down. It was definitely not a penalty. I wouldn't even have bothered appealing that. He just kind of falls. And this has been the problem with Burke, though. Uh, you know, he he's looked great. He's so pacey, but he just doesn't have any finish. In the last two games, he has had golden opportunities, and he just hasn't been able to even get a shot on target, really. So the finishing is the problem there. You know, that's yep. that's where you oh, wish you 100%. had you, you really wish you had Billy Sharp's brain in that body because yeah. that's the kind of goal that Billy Sharp finishes 10 out of 10 times right there. Oh yeah. With without a doubt. And that's like I said to that's like I said when he went into the box and I don't know if he carried a heavy touch or something, but it was like he was falling back, reaching for the ball, and he was almost around Schmeichel. So it would have been basically a tap-in from there because once he got around the goalkeeper, he had no one behind him. But I'm just like, what are you doing, dude? It's like this play built up so nicely for us, and then we just let it – it kind of sums up the season. you know. We kind of build it up, build it up, build up, and then we let you down right at the end. That's one thing I don't know if they work on. He's got to work on that stuff in training. So he's got to get better in that those clutch moments when we need him to get a goal, especially now being in a nailed-on relegation battle. Absolutely. And it also gets back to that bit about us just not having any luck. And we're playing teams, and it just seems like they have all of the ball luck behind him. Not four minutes later after that moment with Burke, Al Brighton, the ball comes into him. He takes a shot, and it's deflected off Max Lowe, falls right to Perez, who just pots it. It's it's easy. It's one of the easiest goals he's going to score all season. And we go down 1-0. Look, Ramsdale gets a hand to it, but at the end of the day, that thing – was fire it was just it was such a hard shot there's no way ramsdale saving that you know regardless of getting a hand to it yeah and it like the shot come in and it ping-ponged off it's like we're the only team in the league that the opponents have a shot and it ping-pongs off all of our players and falls right to the feet of their players and it's from point blank range and he just buries it it's like come on man it's like how bad a luck do we have to where it takes a deflection off two guys and it falls right to their player right in his lap. And it's here you go. Here's one nil lead for you. And it's like, dude, what do we have to do? Yeah. I mean, really disappointing this. It's just, it's laughable at this point because so many goals have gone in, you know, against us on, on lucky bounces, just like this one. 
And it's just so frustrating. There's just not, there's nothing you can do about it too. It's not really poor play. Yes. Maybe Max Lowe could have taken a better block on that. So it wouldn't have gone to, but really, I mean, how was he to know, you know, I, yep. how was he to know? You hope that your defense can cover a ball that goes in behind off a block, but you just can't account for the ball falling directly to one of their strikers. It's just, there's no accounting for it. Yeah, exactly. So a bit of positive. You take the negative. Now, two minutes later, a bit of positive. 26 minute, Sheffield United get a corner. McBurney goes up, gets his head around it, and he scores the first goal of the season for him. Really, really great header. And uh, at this point, Sheffield United are drawn 1-1 with Leicester City. Uh, what was your thought after seeing that goal go in, Chad? I was like, okay, this is the first one out of about 20 chances he's had this year. Right. So, okay, you can get a goal. And I really liked how it was the first time that when we went behind, it didn't feel like we were, you know, hanging on that we were going to go another goal behind. And we went and got the goal to equalize it. And it was like, all right. So he finally got his heading ability on point, And now he – as we had talked in previous episodes, slotted it in the corner away from the keeper in right. the spot where he cannot, the goalkeeper cannot knock it away for a corner or, or knock it back out into play or whatnot. So it was like one of those finally fell to him. And I, I really liked the goal. It was a good goal. Absolutely. And we had talked time at time, as you mentioned, time and time again about how McBurney had taken headers on corners and just headed it right at the keeper and not done what you're supposed to do, which is down and into the corner. And he finally got one in. That is exactly the way you're supposed to take a head off of a corner. And yeah, 1-1 at this point. Really, I look, for the rest of the first half, there were a couple of small, tiny chances, half chances, but really nothing to speak of. I mean, from that point on, it really felt like Leicester City had the majority of the possession. There is one moment that I do want to touch on very briefly with you, okay? In the 37th minute, Max Lowe got a yellow card in our offensive half. He was trying to stop a bit from, from the looks of it. He took a quick tug on one of Lester player's shirts and uh, Lester player goes down and it was such kind of like an innocuous sort of foul, but he picked up a yellow card on that. And look, you can say that maybe it was a little bit callous or, you know, really just not a great foul to take in that moment. But do you think that's a yellow card? I mean, when I saw it live, it just didn't look like a yellow. Yes. You're stopping a buildup, but to put somebody on a yellow for that just was so minor in my humble opinion. I can see – I've seen it plenty of times where it's been called a yellow or given as a yellow because, I mean, nobody can tell if Lester's going to put the ball, continue the, the break, and, and it goes and leads to a chance or they get another goal. So I can see why the ref cautioned him. Would I have cautioned him? Especially, I mean, you're 38 minutes into the game – yeah, I can see why he gave it to him. Would I have given it to him? No. Because, I mean, like we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, there's going to be another offense that was definitely a yellow card, and I think he got let off on. But I agree I agree that it shouldn't have been a, a yellow card. Yeah, and then seven or eight minutes later, there's another foul committed by Lowe, and that one, really, he should have been sent off for. I mean, he was very mm -hmm. lucky to have not been sent off for that foul. And, you know, I, at that point, everybody was, and their mother was saying, you got to get him off. And thank goodness Chris Wilder did the right thing, got Lowe off, put Osborne in um, for the second half. Right before halftime, in the first minute of stoppage time, Madison hit the post on what I thought for sure was going to be a goal and it just bounced back into play and it was cleared out uh, I think by Fleck but boy that was very very close another very ner nervy moment and at that point I mean that definitely would have been game over we, we talked about the Vardy goal was demoralizing had that gone in you know overarchingly it wouldn't have been as demoralizing but oof, very very nervy there yeah and I mean it, it was like that 
that ball that fell to Madison, it was almost in the exact same spot where Vardy hit the right. post the first right. time. It was like almost identical shots, and they both rang off the post in like very, very similar spots on the post. So it was like, oh god, we got let off again because I was like, if if we conceded a goal right there before halftime, that would have probably been up. It, we would have closed up shop, and we would have tried to not just get absolutely run over. We probably would try to keep it at two nil and in or two one and and saw the match out. So I think really that Sheffield United kind of very lucky to go into halftime with the draw at that point. As I mentioned before, Osborne gets subbed on at the 45th minute. Uh, I'm sorry, 46 minute. And, uh, you know, taking low off, in my opinion, wasn't just a good decision because he was on a yellow, but I think it was a good tactical decision as well. He's been very, very poor at that left wing back. I mean, he's looked at times even worse than Stevens did in those last few run run of games before Wilder yanked him. But that left-hand side we've mentioned time and time again has been just so problematic. It's like, what do you do? You know, this is a position that Osborne actually, I think, plays naturally, that left wing back position. We've seen him mostly throughout this season starting in left center mid, but his positioning there I thought was a lot better and I felt more comfortable, in, at least in the second half, that we weren't going to concede from that left-hand side, just having Osborne there kind of as that rock. You saying him being a rock, that's almost what he was in the second half. I mean, we didn't have to worry about – I almost feel like when Max Lowe has been in these games, it's like he's replaced Stevens as a liability now. And it's like, I don't know how much he played when he was at Derby, but it's like the dude, and I I get it. It's a step up from the championship to, to the premier league, but it's almost like the dude was out there and he's like lost. And it's like, what is going on here? Like some of his track backs and clearances, it was just, it was just like, man, this guy has looked, Looks like he's lost out there. So I'm kind of glad that Benno come in there and he was able to be that rock on that left-hand side. So every time they put a ball in, it's like, oh, God, we're going to concede. Oh, God, we're going to concede. No, I felt a little bit safer with him in the game. Definitely. So really until the 65th minute, there wasn't much to speak of. There were a couple of quarter chances, half chances, not really much to speak of. In the 65th minute, Sheffield United had another chance. McBurney uh, got ahead a to a ball on a corner. It was headed just above Schmeichel. I think Schmeichel had it covered, but it was it was another good chance. And I thought he was more open on this chance actually than on the actual goal that he scored in the first half. You know, if he had gotten his head rounded a little bit better, he might have had a much better chance to put it in the corner, but. As a consequence of not doing that, it just kind of went over the bar and uh, out for a goal kick, basically. In the 69th minute, (laughs) ball comes in on a free kick from Leicester City. Ramsdale goes up and he drops the fucking ball. This is the second time in as many games that Ramsdale has dropped a ball on a free kick. And he had to make a diving save in order to recover from that. And he actually got bloodied up. I mean, you saw he was getting taken care of after he, I think he had a busted lip or something. The second save was good, but it should have been unnecessary. That's the point. Yeah, that was another thing I was yelling, dude, what are you doing? You're a goalkeeper, come out. I understand most of these goalkeepers now, if you watch them all in the prem, when a corner kick comes in and they put their hands up and they go to catch the ball, they automatically, and someone's near them, they automatically want to get, the referee to just blow for a, a free kick and a foul in the box. Well, Ramsdale was going up having that intention that he was going to get the ball. He was going to get fouled. So I'm, I assure you, he, he didn't put a good grasp on the ball and let the ball fall right back down. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You're going to give goal. And then he's got to make a terrific save to get to, I'm just like, man, what in the hell are you doing? Yeah. I think that that's just youth and perhaps a little bit of inexperience on Ramsdale's fault. I mean, look, we put so much pressure on these players as supporters, but we forget that, look, they're 22 years old, 21 years old. 
Some of them are just breaking 20 at this point. I'm thinking about Brewster. And yet we put all of these hopes and aspirations on these players and, uh, you know, to perform like seasoned professionals. But, you know, just a mere four years ago, some of them were still in high school. Yeah. Or the equivalent. (laughs) I mean, really, really. So look, from, from this point on, from that 69th minute on, there really wasn't much to speak of as far as Sheffield United chances, Leicester chances, really not much. It, the ball just seemed to be changing possession and no, neither team could really get a good foothold in the 81st minute. We had Rian Brewster come on. I think personally that substitution needs to come a little bit earlier. I understand Chris Wilder, not wanting to take Burke off to that point or, uh, or McBurney, but you know, you got to do something to try to change the flow of the game. I just waiting until there's 10 minutes and change with stoppage time to make a substitution is just, oh, I mean, it, especially, uh, you know, for Brewster, he needs to get a feel for the game, but it's not going to do if he's only getting 15, 10 minutes tops in, in some of these games. And that's that's what it's been. I mean, really, the substitutions need to be made at least at, at the latest at the 75th minute. To go on to your point, we can't be, especially bringing in a striker, we can't be, I mean, and for the most part, our midfield wasn't getting the balls to the attackers. I mean, aside from a few chances, the McBurney goal, the Burke chances, a couple of misses, but I just feel like when we make a, a substitution with as bad as our midfield is at this point, putting on a striker, I understand you know, they're nifty and they can create chances out of nothing. But it to me, putting them on that late in the game, it just for me, it makes absolutely no sense. You like you said, we had we had 10 minutes left in the match with extra time. Put him on in the 70th minute so he can get a feel for the game in the first five minutes. Because you gotta think once he gets his feet underneath him, it's 85 minutes. So five minutes are gone. We got we got basically five, eight minutes left of the game. So it's like what it what is the point to putting them on so late? Put them in earlier, let them get a feel for the for the game, and then let them go, and hopefully they can create a couple chances before the end of the match. Absolutely, 100%. Go ahead. Because one, one, one thing to add on to that, because look at when Brewster's coming to the game. How many chances he has he had when he's been subbed on? How many – he had one chance after he was subbed on. And it's like – all right, okay, West Brom, they had a few more chances, but that's because they put Mousset and Brewster in, and they were ping-ponging the ball around, and it fell to them. So I don't feel like our strikers that we sub on into the game are getting enough time. And this might be something where, because our usually always our first change is a midfielder. It's almost like it needs to be a striker around the 62nd, 65th minute to give them almost a half hour of the game to – try something different than whoever we're subbing off. If it's Brewster for Burke, then give him at least a half hour to get into the game and maybe he can create chances. You know, I don't know why we went away from him, not from Brewster, not starting because if you listen to the, if you listen to the commentary leading up to the match, everybody in at halftime, everybody's screaming Brewster, 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 put him on, put him on, put him on. And it's like, okay, when we put him on, and then he doesn't do anything, and then you watch at the end of the match, they're like, well, Brewster come on for 15 minutes and didn't do anything. Well, no shit. He he wasn't on for long enough to get into the game, and our midfield's not the best, so it's not creating chances for him to get in the box and score goals. I agree with you 100%. You you hit the nail right on the head, Chad. So, look, Brewster had that one chance that you were mentioning. He tried to chip Schmeichel in the 84th minute, and uh you know went wide so then we get to the the goal in the 90th minute fleck gave the ball away in the midfield gets to jamie vardy gets in behind egan slots it past ramsdale and takes out the corner flag so what do you think do you think uh he took out the corner flag because it was they're flying a rainbow flag you think he's a homophobe no, I think it, I think it was because it had our logo on the corner of it, and he's like, you know what? Fuck Sheffield United. I'm taking out this corner flag. 
And I mean, he absolutely destroyed it too. He hit it right near the base and it just blasted into a, it looked like the thing was made out of foam. When he hit it, it sent shards all over the place. And if I was the ref, you know, they're not going to do it. They're just going to flash a yellow. But I always said, red card, you're gone. Straight red, gone. You don't do that shit. I don't care if it's against, if it's Lester against Man City. He runs to the corner flag, slides, busts their corner flag. Whoever does it, if it's any player, you should be automatically sent out because that's you're just you're destroying property. There's there's no reason to go into that corner flag and just blow it all to hell. Yeah, I know Sheffield United's probably got 700 of them in the back room there. They're going to replace it. But there's no reason for him to go in there and just, oh, because I, I grew up a Wednesday fan. You know what? Fuck these guys. They're our rivals. I hate these motherfuckers or whatever. That pissed yeah. me off when he did it. When he did that shit, I I was so pissed off when he did it. I was like, I and you know, I've had I've had respect for Jamie Vardy since he has come up from non-league and up to the Premier League and he scored goals and even on an international level. But doing something like that, that's almost like a cheap shot. That's Bush that's league. like a cheap shot in a fight. Yeah, it's Bush League. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking Bush League. And you know, look in the back of your head, you're like, well, you know, if that if that were Billy Sharp scoring that goal at Hillsborough, I mean, do you love it? But it, at the same time, you know, it's just kind of classless. It's that's I don't want to say any more about it. It was just just kind of a classless move. Agreed. So as we mentioned, you know, this is arguably the most demoralizing loss, not just in this season, but in the Wilder era, more than Leeds, more the shambolic than the shambolic loss to Chelsea. How we recover from this loss is going to cement what the second half of the season looks like going into Christmas and after. And we now need to win, in my estimation, one out of every three games in order to stay up. And, you know, that that's bleak. It's fucking bleak. There's nothing else to say about it. Does that get us to if we win one out of three, does that get us to 40 points? No, that gets us to. 30 some odd points, I believe. Okay. Yeah. I, I had heard that stat previously and I didn't know. I mean, it seems viable, but I also think that the bottom of the league is going to be 22 points might be safe. Might get us up. Might, might, might save us because you got to think we're bad, but the teams in and around us, Burnley, Fulham, West Brom, you can even lump Brighton, Brighton in there. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, those teams, they're not going to pick up many points. And that's why it's key when we face these teams again, Fulham again, West Brom again. We've still got to play Burnley twice. we got to play Brighton. We've got to pick up. It, we can't lose any of these games. We have to at least get a point because that no, no one voids the match between us if we get a point. Yes, of course, you want to say we have to go and win every single one of them. I understand we need to, and at this point it might be impossible, but as long as we pick up a point, it in my in my head, I, I at least feel a little bit better. Because I, like I said, I think 22, 25 points is is safe. Yeah, but we just got to get that first win. Here we are. Uh, they they showed a stat: yep. the only team at the, to this point that hadn't had at least one win. Or one point, you know, more, more more than one point was Manchester United in 1932, 1933, and that's not just the Premier League; that's the history of the first division. That's stretching back. We're we're talking mm-hmm. guys playing with leather balls and in full shirts, and uh, you know, yeah. full not nylon shirts. material. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> yeah, without kit sponsors and everything. I mean. We're, we're talking 1800s, like dating all the way back to there, like the beginnings. Like, yeah. yeah. So where do we go from here? I mean, really, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Got to start winning games. We need to win the games that we should be winning against other bottom half teams, especially mm-hmm. those that are 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th in the league. But like I said, how how we recover from this game going into our game against Southampton this weekend is going to be emblematic of what the rest of the season is going to look like. 
and Southampton are no slouches. Yeah. They were not slouches oh, sure. last year. They have not seen a decline in their form at all this season. And for a team that, you know, pretty much perennially was in like the mid table or the the bottom half of the table, their form has been excellent over the last two seasons. And whereas our form has taken a huge mm-hmm. decline in, you know, a matter of months, really. So um, we'll yeah. get to Southampton and, and you... in, in a minute. The, my question for you, Chad, is did you have a man of the match in this game? My man of the match is McBurney because, I mean, in all honesty, the only reason I picked him is because he was he scored the goal. And we have, for a team that hasn't scored many goals this year, I'm going to hand it out to the guy that put the ball in the back of the net. That's that's basically all all it boils down to. I mean, you can give – you know, you can give it to Basham. You could give it to even Keen Bryan, who played pretty well in, in that outing. But for me, it's McBurney, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I, I think McBurney had a pretty good game. You know, he didn't have as many chances as he might have in other games, but he showed up where it counts, and that's on the score sheet. And that that header, hopefully, that gets the monkey off of his back, and he'll start potting him home on a regular basis. Now we need him to do that. That's why we signed him. You know, even six goals, which was his total last year, is just not going to cut it moving forward. So, Mm-mm. yeah, nope. good on you, McBurney. The other uh, thing that I want to talk about is Ampadu has been missing from the team sheet the last couple of games. And I think there has to be something going on. Do you think Ampadu is injured right now, or do you know what's going on? Yeah, that's that's what I'm wondering too. Because it's like leading up to the match, the Leicester match, while there was you know hinting around that there was a couple of game time decisions that they were going to make on obviously Musetin and Ampadu and Stevens as well, but. I don't know if there's some stuff going on in the back room that isn't getting out to us, but it's almost like, is he really hurt or are we not getting the full story? And I don't think we wouldn't get the full story if, I mean, obviously it was, if it was internally, yeah, they probably hide it hush hush because chances are they don't want Chelsea to find out. But I don't think Wilder would come out and flat out lie to everybody and say he's injured when he's not. So I, I, I'm led to believe that he has some sort of knock that he just can't get over. Maybe it's just rest from all the games he played. Yeah, that's that's entirely plausible. I mean, he is a kid. He is very young. So maybe it's just rest. So we'll see if he factors into the team sheet this week. Speaking of which, I do want to talk about our game against Southampton. Again, they're all important at this point. Another very important game to at least try to take something out of. As we've said, you snatch your arm off for a, a draw at against a top a top side a top half team at this point. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. So you know, look, Southampton played Brighton Hove Albion this a uh, couple days ago. And they beat them 2-1. You know, Danny Ings, uh, of course, factored into the scoring for Southampton. Vestergaard, who he, he plays center back, he actually had a goal in this one as well. And I just kind of want to talk about how they, that they line up. You know, they brought, they brought in, Ings in in this game actually off the bench. They had Walcott starting and Adams up front. Um, and then Ings came in, I think, in the in the second half. But... You know, they had they have Romeo in midfield, Ward Prowse, who's been really good for them this season as well. He's had a few goals. Armstrong, and then their back line is Bertrand, Bednarek, Walker Peters, and then they've had McCarthy and Nett. So, uh, you know, how, how do you think we we line up against Southampton? I've watched a lot of Southampton play this season, and Danny Ings will probably start for him on Sunday because he just recently came back from injury. So I think they gave him – when they played played Brighton this this last Monday, he, and he came off and – or he came on and, and scored the goal or scored the penalty. That was a controversial penalty as well. And um, – but James Ward-Prowse, he absolutely bosses the midfield for Southampton. 
McCarthy in goal. I have him in my fantasy league for fantasy Premier League, and he has been absolutely keeping clean sheets and getting max fantasy points this season. So he's he's been having a great season. And then their back line, I mean, they have been through the rigors, so they can defend. And as you said, a defender, Vestergaard, scored against Brighton. So, I mean, they're dangerous from all over the pitch. And it's like, would we have said this about the Southampton team a year ago? They were in the bottom half of the, the league. They were in the relegation zone for most of the season until they dug themselves out right there at the end. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Vestergaard, it's not just like that was his first goal of the season. I mean, he's had three for them already this season. So, yeah. you know, you have guys on your back line who can put the ball in the net, and, you know, that makes them dangerous. For sure. Do you have any changes in Sheffield United's lineup for this week? I think we talked a little bit about it, but how do you think uh, well, we're going to line up this week? I'm going to probably stick with Burke and McBurney up front. Whatever is going on with Ampadu, I want to see him in a center midfield position, holding midfield position. And then I'm keeping Keen Brian in, and then I'm subbing out. Well, it depends on if, if Stevens is healthy because, you know, Wilder's probably going to want to go with Stevens instead of Osborne. But I'm putting – I'm if it's my team, I'm putting Osborne in over – Stevens and Max Lowe because you, you got to give Max Lowe a little bit of a breather and something has to change. So the rest of the team is staying the same, in my opinion. I'm just putting in Ampadu if he's healthy and Ben Osborne if Edna Stevens isn't ha- healthy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Ampadu needs to factor into this game if he's healthy. If not, you got to put Osborne in in that left wing back position because realistically, Lowe has just been really, really poor the last couple of games, and I just don't think he makes the first team anymore. You know, maybe in a pinch you, you can sub mm-hmm. him on, but I think Osborne in the second half really made a good argument to be starting this next game here against Southampton. But I'd say overarchingly, I yep. agree with you know, your assessment of who should factor into the first team sheet in this one. Go ahead. A question for you. Do you think the reason why what what, sim, what sums up our season, us being bottom of the league, you know, we're not conceding a lot of goals. We're, I mean, we're most of the time we're only giving up a goal or, or at the most, okay, the Chelsea game we gave up four. Do you think the lack of experience with how young our side is is affecting our team? in almost, I wouldn't say dragging us down, but preventing us from getting over the hump to where if we had a little bit more older players, experienced players, we'd probably be holding our own in in probably in the middle of the table. I think it comes down to a few things. I think not being able to score goals is obviously the biggest factor. The other factor is being shoddy on defense on that left-hand side. That's contributed to more goals than at any other part of the field the entire season. I think, yes, the age is a factor, but it's not, it's not a talent issue. It's not an inexperienced issue. These are all, you know, up until this season, many of them were championship players. They had played, you know, either internationally or even in some of, the, for some of them, for, the, for their parent club, they've, they've played, um, a few games for their parent clubs, uh, the ones who are out on loan, Ampadu in particular, I think really what it's about is the chemistry. I think we have not had the same lineup two games in a row, really. And there's just kind of been a lack of chemistry, um, knowing where your partner is going to be when you're receiving that pass, when you're going, uh, when you're, when you're passing the ball, knowing where to slot it. I think that like the best interplay that we've seen this season has been from the guys who've been together for at least eight months. And, you know, in a lot of cases with many of our players and at least one player in ever, like in our defensive core and our midfield core uh, and in our striker core, we have at least one player who's brand spanking new this season. So I think that factors into it a lot. Yeah. That that makes sense to me because every time I see, 
you know, your point with the, the – we haven't had the same lineup, and it's almost – does Wilder not know what his best team is with the players and we can't keep anybody healthy because we're playing games so readily right now, but it's almost like, I, cause I ask myself every game, it's like, well, what a team that had been through this situation. And I guess that, that basically that goes back to chemistry What a team that had been in this situation a year ago, done the same thing, because, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta look at the players that we had around this time, and, and most of them are the same, granted. You know, you brought Bert, we bought Santa Berger in, in, in January, and he didn't really fit in until we came back to Project Restart. He did, he really didn't find his footing until we, we started playing in June and July. I mean, he really didn't fit into the side. So, I mean, yeah, we bring all these, these different younger players, and then just in the back of my mind, it's just like, is it the inexperienced thing? But – I can see where you're you're probably right with the with the whole chemistry thing. But it's also the fact that we're playing for the most part better sides. Mm-hmm. You know, we overperformed last season. I think that that, yeah. that much is clear 11 games into the season now. We we massively overperformed and we overperformed because it was pretty much with the exception of McBurney and Lise Mousset, the same team that got us up from the championship. Mm-hmm. And it was, the t- it was the same team week in and week out. You kind of touched on that a little bit, you yeah. know? So you have the chemistry. That's where the chemistry is right there. Yeah. And, and it, it's... It, you know, with O'Connell out and with Lundstrom, you know, either factoring into games or not factoring in, into games. I mean, it, it's just really not been the same side. And, you know, at, at this point, there's some dejection. There's We don't have as much feeling like, oh, we have to prove something this year. I think we thought we were going to coast a little bit this season, finish 14th or 15th, regroup next year, and you know maybe make a couple more signings and then push for another top-half finish in the 21-22 season. But here we are, trapped in the throes of relegation, and it's just not how they drew it up this season at all. And to, to that point, too, do you think some of these players got a little overconfident and how they overperformed last season, finishing ninth where we did, and they were they came into this season. Yes, we we brought in a few new part, parts and pieces, but do you think the players that have been there for last year's run got a little overconfident and was like, "Hell, this this league isn't as hard as everybody says. It's going to be a breeze. We're going to finish mid table if we." overperform we might get in the top half of the table again so i don't know i've been led to believe that too because it almost seems like these players feel like they this league owes them one because they overperformed so good last year that it's like hey well you know we were here at this time last year we were in this spot and now we're down here and it's kind of like it's almost like they they think they are owed one is what i guess what i'm trying to say uh they're they're like hockey I don't. I can't imagine that any of these players would be exhibiting any hubris at this point in the season, on eleven games and ha- only having one point. You know, out of out of thirty three, I I just I can't I can't imagine that that's the case. But I do think that perhaps at the start of the season, you know, having an okay preseason, um, thinking that. I don't know, maybe that they had a chance to finish at least where they finished. But at, at this point in the season, there, there's no way that that factors into the thinking at all. I think this team has the yips. I think they really are just in their heads at this point. Yeah. And they just seeing the results week after week after week. One of the things that you and I talked offhand about was, you know, it had been mentioned on an, another podcast that, you know, at this point, it's kind of like the definition of insanity. We're doing the same thing and expecting different results. And, you know, we haven't seen really a formation change except when we're desperate, you know, not a formation change to start. But I mean, I, I'm losing more and more faith in the 352 every single week. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm just wondering if we need to be more offensively minded. You know, it was our defense really last season that kept us in games and won us points. But 
we just aren't scoring enough goals to even contend in games. I said we said yeah. at the beginning of the season we were gonna need to score approximately two goals a game. And to this yeah. point, that just that just hasn't happened, obviously. We're on five goals in eleven games. What what can you do? Yeah. You you, you gotta start scoring yeah. more. And because look, we're not keeping clean mm-hmm. sheets either. We're the only team in the league that hasn't kept a clean sheet. That's fucking awful. That's a disgrace. Yeah. Fulham has kept a fucking clean mm-hmm. sheet. It's yeah, it's bad. Yeah, so it, it's bad. And because you can tell by all our subs in the matches, you know we're we're whipping on two strikers up front and a attacking midfielder most of the time. Because you know Norwood came in the game, and it's like, all right, we're definitely going attacking. So I don't know if we we should start that way, to where we have a formation to where, like you said, it's more attacking. To where, you know, if we go at these teams without a, with a new formation. You know, it might we might be able to string a win or two together because these sides are used to us playing our set formation. That if we switch it up, we might catch them out. We might be able to get a couple goals or something. I I don't know, but I I'm right there with you. I would agree that I think a formation change needs to happen. Getting back to our game against Southampton this weekend, what do you think are going to be some key matchups for Sheffield United? I sound like a broken record, but I think we're going to have to do a very good job, especially if Danny Ings starts up front. Our back line is going to have to, you know, we're going to have to snuff out Ings like we did Vardy last week in in try and hold him goalless and make their goals come from the midfield or their attacking is obviously going to come from the midfield. But Vardy and Ings are almost similar strikers to if you put a ball over the top to them, they're going to get on the ball and they're going to haul ass to the goal and they're going to, they're going to rip a shot off. So yeah, our, our back line. And I'd like to say that in, in our midfield, our midfield has got to have some life to it, man. We, we just can't lay down in, we can't put three passes together in a row before we give the ball back. That is the biggest thing we have or to one keep for that more possession or one for that. Yes. Matter. I mean, I mean we, there we, was we how many ex- times in the Leicester match did did we just give the ball away every single time? The midfielder would go get on the ball, Flack or Berger or Lundstrom, whoever it was, they would just go to pass the ball and it's right back to them. It's stupid, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I, I agree wholeheartedly. We and it's la- again laughable at this point that we're still talking about this, but spotting the ball on a goal kick or on a, a save or, or whenever Ramsdale ha- has the ball and just kicking it, you know, booting it down the field is just not getting it done. We need to build up from the back. Our most, we have to stop. Our most, yeah. Our, our, our most impressive buildups have been starting from the back and getting it up front, getting it to our midfielders who get it to our striker core. Yes. And, that's the way you need you need to do it. I mean, that just watching this team week in and week out, again, mentioning the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. McBurney gets his head onto those balls, yes, but he's not getting it back to the midfielder or over to Brewster or to Burke, you know, in order to start the attack when when Ramsdale's booting it down the field on goal kicks. And that's why we're just not having so much possession. But you have to have possession in order to get chances, in order to score goals. And that's where we're at exactly. right now. That's where we're at. Exactly. And, and I want to see what the conversion rate is, how many times, how many goal kicks has Ramsdale had that has ma- actually made contact with McBurney's head? Because, I mean, like, I'd say probably 65% of them, he's kicked it over McBurney. And he's had, he's kicked it to their back line, and they just recycle the ball, and here it comes again. Or if McBurney actually gets his head on it, it's going, it's falling right to a midfield player of whatever team we're playing, and they're going right back again. And it's like our back line needs a breather because we've just had a spell of possession, or they've just had a spell of possession for the last eight minutes, and then we get a goal kick kick it right back to him. And it's like the back line can't breathe, man. That's why we're not keeping clean sheets because our back line's getting our ass kicked every single time because they're having to get stuck in and defend for their lives. And it's, it's, it's just not working for us, man. I'm, I'm tired of it. Yeah. 
Very frustrating. So, look, we've been going for almost an hour here, Chad. Let's get some score predictions really fast. What do you think? Do you, do you think we're able to squeak out a point against Southampton this weekend? Uh, I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. I just feel like this team is going to – they're going to take that that devastating last-minute loss, and we've only got two ways. We can come out and we can blow the doors off of Southampton and get a and get a, at least a point, or we can just lay down and die and just get absolutely – railroaded against these guys. So I think they're going to come out with a bit, little bit of fight and we get a goal. I'm probably going to say it's McBurney again. I'm, I'm going to say he gets a header and it finishes 1-1. Ings on their side, obviously. Yeah, I, I think we can get a draw as well. I want to be more positive and say it's actually a 2-2 draw. Goals from McBurney. Ooh, and... Oh, I'll go with Fleck. I mean, I just something's got to happen with Fleck. He's been so bad last couple. Like the first game that he 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 came back, I thought he looked okay. But this last game against Leicester, I just he was not the general that he normally is out there in the midfield. And hopefully he can get one, yeah. pot one, and I you know more than anything else, I just want to see us score some more goals. That's really what I want. I don't know what I'd do if, if we scored two goals. If we scored two goals, I might take all my clothes off and run down the block naked. <laughs> well, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> but <laughs> I do hope nah, that they I score two goals. Do <laughs> I don't want to get arrested either. <laughs> so I think that's all the time that we have for the Red Half of Sheffield this week. Hey, Chad, where can the people find you on social media? They can find me at Blades in the USA on Facebook and Twitter. And if you want to follow the day-to-day trials and tribulations of my life, you can follow me at Jarvis underscore 13. And I don't know if you know this, Chad, but the Red Half of Sheffield has a Facebook page. Isn't that amazing? Oh, really? What yes. is the name of this fa- Facebook page? You can find it at the Red Half of Sheffield. On Facebook, just search the Red Half of Sheffield or Facebook.com backslash the Red Half of Sheffield. Really easy. I'm going to go like that page right now. Beautiful. We've had actually a lot of likes, a lot of follows. Thank you so much for those of you who have been following us. We do post Sheffield United content regularly, memes, updates, what have you. So uh, for all your Sheffield United news, memes, and fun stuff, please follow us on the Red Half of Sheffield. You can also follow me, Noah Snyder, at Nessman930 on Twitter and on Reddit. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Sunpuck. That's S-U-N-P-U-C-K. And until next week, up the blades. Up the blades. Come on, you red and white wizards.